0: Hello, Film Snobs. This is Film Snobs, your podcast that teaches you how to be a better film snob. I am James Owen, co-founder and co-content creator of filmsnobs.com. Uh not joining us today is Steve Himes, the other uh co-founder, but we have a what uh, who I would call a film snobs adjacent guest, uh Eric Van Landage Eric, hello.
1: Hi, James. Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, it's great to have you on. Now, the reason you're on is, I mean, we've we've had this, uh, what I consider maybe a semi-failed effort to like get experts to come on and talk about movies and TV shows that we find interesting. Um, but you're not here for that. You're here for that because we, you and I, we're going to do something different here. We're actually going to review a movie, <laughs> 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 which is going to be crazy for this website. <laughs> Uh, You and I, the other night, saw Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer together. Yes, we did. We did. Uh, Which So a little bit of, uh, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit here. When I write columns for the Columbia Daily Tribune, I get invited to press screenings not in Columbia. Often they are in St. Louis and Kansas City, which are about an hour and a half to two hours away from uh, from the middle of the state, the middle of nowhere where I live. And because I have a job where I kind of work statewide, it kind of works out, I can go see movies, but I get to bring a guest. Um, and Oppenheimer was my choice this week. I reviewed it. Eric came with me and we got done. We start, it started at seven. We got done at 10. It's one of those movies that demands a lot of conversation, I thought. And I couldn't talk to Eric about it because I had to like literally get on the road and be (laughs) home by midnight. Um, so I said, Hey, I've got a podcast. You should come on. We should talk about what we saw. So here you are. Here I am. Here you are. <laughs> so I'm a little of
1: an expert. Here we go.
0: Yeah. But I mean, but again, but you, you have an English background. You like, yeah. you, know, you can like analyze stuff, right?
1: Spot the occasional metaphor. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's okay. Well, metaphors are plenty in this, I think. Um, so your take, we were similar. We're both big fans of this movie, right?
1: Yeah. It was a great, great movie. Great it was movie. really something. Yeah.
0: You had a good line uh, after it was over. Can you repeat it?
1: It was something to the effect of, uh, it, it, "It says something about the film when you can put a nuclear explosion in the middle of it and still not fail and and have that having end up being the climax of the movie."
0: Right, right. It's good line because, um, yeah, because in theory, this movie is about Rob J. Robert Oppenheimer, uh, the father of the of the atomic bomb. Um, what's that? Oppy. As they kept, it took somehow, me a while
1: to figure out who they were talking about.
0: As his friends call him. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh, I, I, maybe his friends called him that. I don't know. Um. I mean, obstinately, I mean, you know, it, it is kind of about him getting recruited to uh, ponder and build and detonate this bomb. But I feel like there was just so much else going on in this movie.
1: It was... I mean, it, it, it took three hours because it was really about the entirety of him including the entirety of the part of his life that you know involved the manhattan project and right. the reason that the whole film really exists um yeah it started i thought it was really interesting um in the early parts of the film when it showed us his development and not just the dabbling in communism, but the uh, setting the scene of him going to see the Picasso, which kind of said, you know, th- this is the new era. Of yeah. It's, you know, it's not just a new era in science. It's a new era in art.
0: Well, he gets, there's a point where he gets questioned. I should note that Cillian Murphy plays him at every point in the movie and he's like in virtually every scene of the movie. And mm-hmm. He's, he's, it's a quite, it's quite an effort. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on his part but he, he has a moment where someone's challenging him on his um on his politics and you know what what role that plays with him being a physicist and this whole thing is like well isn't this all kind of revolutionary mm-hmm. you yeah know?
1: it's very much a theme that the, the the times were changing not just in scientific development
0: yeah and, and what was what was kind of interesting about the whole movie to me because yes it is three hours um there is kind of just not this evolution of him and his and his in him taking on this, this, uh, this, this kind of you know, kind of th- this kind of history changing endeavor. But like the the poly, you think about the politics of the film, it going from the, the communist, the American communist, you know, kind of uh, I don't know if I want to call it fad. <laughs>
1: uh, I, did, I did think it was, uh, it was helpful to me that they kind of clarified in the movie. For- much as for the people who needed clarified the characters that needed clarified in the movie that there there was a distinction between the American Communist Party and a Russian communist.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know? Which is easy to forget because yeah. I, I think certainly especially in in light of post World War II politics, which this movie gets into a lot. By mm-hmm. the way, uh, I mean it's, it's almost near half of the movie. Um, you know, there was there was no distinction. <laughs>
1: yeah well yeah
0: <laughs> you were either a communist or you weren't and um that that kind of becomes a, 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 a and it's not i don't think i'm spoiling anything because I, I think this gets talked about in some of the press material and this gets talked about really early in the film there's a question about oppenheimer's loyalty mm-hmm. and whether his involvement with the american communist party had an impact on that and all that's kind of embodied by florence Pugh, who's kind of the uh quirky girlfriend turn mistress <laughs> with with some of what i think is the oddest sex scenes i've ever seen in a movie
1: and the in the early one i thought to myself this is fine but do we need it and then the payoff later of the i don't know i don't know if it would be a spoiler to discuss how that gets revisited oh, yeah. later in the movie but i mean that then we, wow nicely done
0: Nicely done. Yeah, because yeah. it was weird at first. I was like, "What is this?" Like, what? Because um, you know, it 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 was surprising to me when this movie got rated R. Because I was like, "Why could this be rated R?" You know, no one hasn't made a rated R movie in about twenty-one years. Insomnia, uh, his remake was wow, that long. R- which is, by the way, another great.
1: I think we saw that together.
0: We might have. I know Steve and I saw it. Um, it was O two when i've been was I, I think i was in springfield maybe you were in springfield when we saw it i don't know
1: i might have been you it may have been one of the times you came down to tulsa
0: i could have been when i came to tulsa i don't know because you lived in tulsa for a while mm-hmm. now you're your undisclosed location in st louis i should yeah. have you there but in the, the bunker in the bunker yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i i mean yeah i remember that i mean i remember that it was like yeah that was summer of oh two i yeah i don't know i was in law school i knew i was in springfield working i don't know anyway mm-hmm. great movie Yes, great movie. Pacino great in it. Williams is great in it. Hilary Swank was great in it, if I recall.
1: She was. I mean,
0: yeah, great cast. Yeah, but yeah. So Oppenheimer, R-rated, three hours. <laughs> not not exactly like, and one of the reasons it's rated R is because there's like some, I guess, explicit sex scenes. I guess they're kind of explicit. Um,
1: Ish.
0: They're, yeah. ish. they're more odd than they are anything. Um, yes. I know Nolan has always not, been,
1: not odd like you know, Cronenberg
0: odd. Just <laughs> not odd like Verhoeven odd. You're right. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> uh no, just like, huh. That because like I think Nolan's always been kind of um I, I guess criticized for being a little sexless. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I'm thinking that might be fine, that he's sexless. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, back to the communism. Uh, <laughs> enough with the sex. Back to enough the Enough with the sex. I mean, come on. Like, folks, I know who our audience is. Um, <laughs> all five of you. Uh, you know, yeah. So, I mean, there, there is this whole thing about his politics being kind of revolutionary, his form of science being revolutionary. And then all of that getting crushed later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. One, one thing has been kind of going through my mind a little bit since I saw it, because there is like kind of, um, well, you know, Nolan goes back and forth in time a lot. And uh, one of the things he did with this is there's a there's a clear I don't even think it's a time thing. I think it's like a perspective thing, the black and white versus color in this. Right. I saw
1: a review that mm-hmm. um, pointed out what I hadn't noticed, but I think it is an accurate um, assessment. Black and white is from the Downey's character's
0: perspective. Uh, uh, Straws.
1: Yes, Straws. Louis Straws. Yeah, When, when it's it southern is like sure. that.
0: We don't say it Jewish. We say it southern, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I actually realized. I, I was actually thinking it was like a. I was thinking it was. It must have had something to do with like time, but it is perspective. Mm-hmm. And the color is from Oppenheimer's.
1: Yeah. Which I think it, then you can confirm that's the case with the scenes by the pond,
0: with with, with it, because it
1: it switches back and forth within that scene
0: and at the hotel at the at the in the banquet room when he's yes. being confronted with the yes. uh, with about the the Russians getting the technology mm-hmm. uh, they they do that in different colors too um, yeah which is interesting because it really does highlight how much of Robert Downey Jr.'s character Louis Strauss, who. Uh, was chair of the Atomic Energy Commission before there was a Department of Energy. Um, and uh, seemingly was like kind of well liked by FDR, Truman, Eisenhower, kind of a a Washington insider kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and Downey Jr. seems to be having a lot of fun playing him, maybe too much at some points. (laughs) you know he,
1: he's been stuck with Tony Stark for a while and maybe he just wanted to do all of the things
0: he he was he got pretty frothy at certain points towards the end <laughs> like he had those big kind of sorkin speeches yeah at the end where he was pacing around and just like a like spitting and everything <laughs> um yeah, but the he, last but one in
1: his office this little side room or uh, anteroom or office or whatever they were in right before he went right. out to the cameras. Like,
0: yeah, this is a
1: full on we here.
0: Yeah. He's, he's going for the, that was the Oscar clip, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So, so we then, so we have, um yeah. So then they called them two different, they called, he titles the color stuff vision and he titles the black and white scenes fusion.
1: Mm -hmm. That was
0: at the beginning, Um, which I, I, you know, I kind of wonder if it's about like this whole idea about um, Oppenheimer being more internal and then like kind of like all the political stuff being more external, more combustible. I don't know that I, I might be completely off the mark about that, but it was something I was trying to piece together, like what Nolan was trying to say with that.
1: I wonder, and this is just off the top, um, That's what we're doing here. <laughs> okay. The, the, the fission may re, uh, be a nod to Oppenheimer's being of two minds about the whole project, mm. and and about his love life, and, and about uh, specifically, you know, it, the, the in one scene he's arguing that the only way to show the people who don't understand what they're building, what it will do, is to let them use it. What it will do broadly speaking to the world is to let them use it and then understand it. Right. And then, in the, yeah. the other scene where he has to address his people after the bombings uh, Hiroshima, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, um, where it goes into the magical realism sequence, and he's mm-hmm. you yeah. know, having a full breakdown over, which the is impact. harrowing,
0: yeah. really. Yeah, hell of that a scene. Freaked me out. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, maybe that is it. I, you know, I've, I've been kind of puzzling that a bit uh, for the past couple of days and thinking about like what, um, you know, I mean, there's an obvious allusion to uh, nuclear you know, to, 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 to nuclear science there, but like what he's trying to get at, what he's trying to say about those two different strands of the story. Yeah. Um. It Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just questions, um, no answers. No answers. Like, I'm not saying we have answers. I don't think Christopher Nolan necessarily has answers. But certainly, um, you know, the politics being, you know, like, yeah, he. I mean, Nolan clearly sees that the politics and the science of this are connected. And almost, you know, that we have an inability to separate those things. And that made me think about, like, how we treated science during COVID. That makes me, you know, think about you know, how we're treating the technology around artificial intelligence, uh, if there is any such politics, because some politicians seem to be like, well, I don't know what to do. <laughs> do you know when this movie wrapped? Um, I know that Nolan was talking about making this while he was doing Tenet. So he would have probably, and he didn't go to Universal, because this is a Universal release, and this is kind of a big deal, because he had been at warner's for a long time he'd been at warner's since insomnia oh and he got mad in 2021 when they announced they were going to like release all their movies in theaters and uh, HBO max day and the rumor is he quit over that like he said Mm -hmm. like you are disrespecting filmmakers I don't want to work somewhere where I can't trust you to like release my movie on like a day and day because apparently those filmmakers did not know they're doing that so if that was like the first of 2021 this gets picked up by Universal probably sometime in early to mid twenty twenty one, and I think Cillian Murphy said on Mark Marin it took three months to film, which surprised me because it sounded it sounded like it was a quick shoot.
1: Especially so, since apparently pretty much all of the effects were in camera.
0: It, yeah, yeah, uh, v, VFX I think as we call those. Um, yes. but um, yeah because it's very I mean like uh, there was a big thing about oh it's Christopher Nolan so there's no CGI in this and people were like what does that mean he really detonated a bomb I'm like Jesus people
1: <laughs> yes and Captain Kirk really beamed up
0: yeah <laughs> it wasn't
1: glitter in a beaker
0: yeah well so I would say <laughs> I'd say probably like like maybe mid to late 2022 I bet when he rapped, to answer that question.
1: Yeah, well, and the reason I asked, I'm trying to. I was certainly there were. I mean, we can't assume his intent, but right, it's easy to find uh, the, some nods to the COVID happenings. Um, yeah, and I was trying to figure out if the timeline because if the timeline worked for the more recent advent of concern over AI.
0: Right. And I don't know. I mean, cause I, I think you could say that it's a relatively timeless concern. you know. Like, <laughs>
1: sure, wait, sure. Yeah. I have some model on back, but
0: yeah. Like techno uh, like we have the ability to create this technology that can ruin us, but then we got to spend all this effort to stop it. I mean, as someone who in my day job uh, works on um, clean energy and thinking about, we just put a lot of effort into building combustible engines And uh, developing the industrial revolution just to say, oh, look, we pumped all this stuff into the air (laughs) and now we got to figure out how to stop that. (laughs) So for me, like thinking about it from that perspective, you know, because, because Oppenheimer kind of becomes like a, I don't know if I'd say he's an anti-nuke guy, but like his, certainly his, uh, his, his position becomes pretty nuanced for the guy who, create it, invented it
1: <laughs> yes yeah and,
0: and trying to avoid an arms race um which hey you know spoiler we all didn't die in a nuclear holocaust yet so uh
1: <laughs> there's always next year
0: there's always next year there's always next. there's always after next election right <laughs> we'll see fingers crossed uh <laughs> um yeah what was I saying oh science and politics yeah um I yeah I mean I imagine there could I mean because I imagine he was probably holed up during COVID like everybody else writing scripts um I I know he's been thinking about this book for a while I think I read that he's been interested in it I mean it's like it is it is a very traditional Nolan uh protagonist (laughs) (laughs) it was a
1: it was a big book when it came out. I mean, Nobel Prize and all that. Oh, uh, five. One of the big I prizes. Oh, so, five, I think, right? Yeah. So surely the uh, the rights were, were locked down immediately. Do you, how did they come into his hands?
0: Uh, you know, I might have been the studio that bought them. Okay. Uh, and I think maybe Warner Brothers bought them, but he optioned it from them, and that's when he took it to Universal, I think. Uh, right. I, I can't emphasize that part enough, especially because, like, Nolan is such a he's almost suicidal in his love for movie theaters. I mean, I was I was talking to you before the movie started about how I was one of 10 people in a theater watching Tenet, it's opening day. <laughs> yeah. During COVID <laughs> in a mask, uh thinking, "Oh my god, this is probably a bad idea." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but um you know he you know he's like he's he he helped he got warner brothers to like get the original prince of 2001 a space odyssey and that played on imax about five years ago uh um. which was pretty cool if i were i mean i went and saw it. i was in new york when that was going on that was pretty cool oh, nice. um you know he's big on that he's big yeah. on the movie theaters and like i think you know like. And then Warner Brothers releases their big summer movie on the same day Oppenheimer is going to come out, which is tomorrow, or I guess technically today, because we're, we're doing this on the 20th.
1: Is that uh, Barbie?
0: Barbie. Yeah. Yeah, even though they're trying to woo him back. I'm not sure hmm. messing around with, like, what is considered the Nolan day, de- because his movies always come out about this time of, of year. Yeah. They always come out, like, that third weekend of July because the idea is... You watch a bunch of sugary junk for two months, and now the adult movie is going to show up. Mm. Um, But then the sugary blockbuster is going to come out the same day. (laughs) So, which I'll see too, because why not? I've got high hopes. I got got hopes. I got hopes. And I guess the other thing too, and I don't think it was playing in St. Louis, but like there was a lot of complaints from people that the Barbie and Oppenheimer screeners were set against each other. So, if you were a film Mm. critic, you had to pick one or the other, which I think people thought that must have been Warner brothers being a little persnickety
1: is Tuesday, the traditional day for a screening Usually for, for critics, yeah.
0: usually because it's usually a slow day for movie theaters. Uh, mm. so they just like, they try to like fill it up. Um, yeah. I mean, Monday or Tuesdays usually because then mm. you like, because you got to worry about your deadlines and stuff like right. that. Um, but you know, like I saw mission the new mission impossible, like, Two weeks before it came out, but it came out like right before fourth of July. So nobody wanted to schedule a press screening oh, like before right. that. Yeah. So so okay. So um I was talking about movie. What was I talking about? Christopher Nolan in movie theaters. Oh, about COVID. about when he uh um, yes. went if that was part. Of, I absolutely guarantee you that COVID was part of his thinking on this. I have to think.
1: Oh, I, yeah, I I I couldn't doubt that for AI uh, is an interesting I, question. I was trying oh, to the the very recent you know the chat Gbt adjacent concerns new you know recently revived concerns about AI because of that the you know the, the the new chat bots is yeah I was wondering if if the timing on those would have been such a it would have been in the news again as it was recently
0: yeah I in, I don't know you days. know because it's because he you know I, I was reading another interview with Nolan where he's like the computer i use is not connected to an internet to the internet i don't have a smartphone he's like my kids would call me a luddite or luddite um so i kind of he seems like he has kind of an odd relationship with technology like it's he's a little fearful of it maybe well f-
1: i would say uh, in a, you know in, in another life I, I have a degree in cybersecurity, and if i was <laughs> writing movies of the value that christopher nolan writes I wouldn't hook that computer up to anything either.
0: Well, oh that—that's <laughs> fair.
1: I would that's keep fair. that. That's going to get like
0: uh, someone might be trying to like uh, get in and steal that. You think?
1: Yeah, you got to have an air gap for that thing.
0: <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. That's interesting. Um, maybe, maybe that is why
1: yeah, um, the, the cell phone thing would be a, a separate matter. It's, you know, it,
0: I wonder if that's why Tarantino but, writes his in longhand.
1: I mean. You're gonna have maybe. to come in with w- with a James Bond camera or something, to yeah. Get, to get that,
0: yeah. I don't know. Like that's interesting. I didn't. I mean, I thought it just maybe he did that because that was just what he was comfortable with. Maybe he's worried someone's gonna. Maybe they're worried about that sort of thing. I don't know. Um, that's interesting. Hmm. Something else to put <laughs> in. Um. But yeah, no. I, I feel like there's because I think I've I've I, when I've been talking about this movie, a lot of people were like, "Why are we making a movie about Oppenheimer now?" Like, why? Why is that relevant now? And my thought is, like, I think it's extremely relevant now, and <laughs> maybe not in the way people imagine before they've seen it. Perhaps. Yeah, beforehand,
1: maybe they're they're just because c- they're you know a full third solidly, and then sprinkled through the first two thirds of it as well. But the last third is is all government offices. And hearing rooms cramped, yeah,
0: claustrophobic. I I mean, mean, that was one thing I noticed it was very tight, yes. Uh, and that fit the mood of those scenes, I think. Um, in like a lot of yelling and a lot of chaos, Mm -hmm. tight scenes,
1: uh, (laughs) contrasting hellaciously with the big open shots of the New Mexico desert,
0: bingo. Yeah, that's right. Um, And even like with the classroom, there's a lot of scenes in classrooms earlier and those are like open and airy and lots of space. People are kind of spread out. I mean, there's obviously a clear uh, effort by the production design to kind of set that tone.
1: Were were you ever in classrooms with that much natural light? Oh,
0: no. You know, I was thinking in law school, well now you mentioned it my law school had i don't think we had any windows in any of <laughs> like no joke we had these we, like our law school was built in the 70s and it was like kind of one of those like very looking like soviet era things not a, a not a pleasing building to look at but they, like i don't really think we even had windows
1: well i mean you were in Kansas, so what was there to see
0: it's a pretty city is a very pretty town <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, guys. Got, got got to make the canvas joke.
0: We're having fun. Oh, no, uh. this is cool. <laughs> now, yeah, I don't I yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're just like, well, we don't want you to see the outside cuz she'll be like, why am I here? I <laughs> <laughs> could have been in. I don't know. Um yeah, no, but that that's yeah, cuz I think yeah, cuz I mean, you know, yeah, there's like a very clear and that's during all the Oppenheimer's well, that's largely during the Oppenheimer stuff, and almost all of the black and white stuff feels a little tighter and a little more cramped. A little bit. I need to, I need to think uh, about that a little bit, maybe. I don't know. That might not be right. Um, again, I need to see it again. No,
1: I think it mostly has to do with where Downey was, because, I mean, with the exception of Out by the Pond.
0: That was pretty airy, because it was like that beautiful campus. Was that Princeton? Is that where Einstein was?
1: That was, uh, I think, not capital P Princeton, oh. but but in Princeton, New Jersey.
0: Oh, okay. Is there but another not, school, Princeton?
1: I think it was that separate institute that Strauss oh. had. Oh, And I don't oh, believe it was right. part of Princeton University or associated with
0: it. Okay. Well, I have to look that up. I didn't do any prep for this. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Because And I think the only reason I knew it was Princeton because I remember that stupid movie where Walter Matthau played Einstein from 94 oh, yeah. IQ with uh, Tim Robbins <laughs> and Meg Ryan. He was like the matchmaker. You, you,
1: you really go to the map for your readers, James, if you're watching that.
0: I don't yeah. know anything about the schools in Princeton, <laughs> but I remember the uh, Fred Shepsey movie from 94 with Walter Matthau playing Einstein. So yeah, good for me.
1: Yeah, I, somebody had to do it.
0: uh <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Um yeah, so I mean there there is yeah, there was all that too. I mean, it was obviously meticulously like everything about the technical aspect of that film, which is a gorgeous looking movie. I I, yeah. I should hasten to mention. It's gorgeously shot. Um, we did not see it on IMAX. It was I, I was told by the press people it was a seventy millimeter projector.
1: Yeah, we in the 70 millimeter I, I watched uh video um one of the editors of the movie made and he clarified some things for that about it's it's in like over half a dozen different formats yeah and the 70 millimeters still see it in that if you can because you are it's you're seeing more picture right it it is you know there's more image there than what had to be kind of sliced off for the other prints
0: well, and I've only seen that a handful of times uh, when Tarantino did the Hateful Eight road show. That was 70 millimeter print. I drove mm-hmm. to Leewood, Kansas to watch that. Um, Ron Howard did Far and Away in 70 millimeter print back in the day, like back in 92 with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. Um, then I don't know if Branagh's Hamlet in 96 was 70 millimeter um because i, I saw that at the century i saw that at the century 21 it was the last movie that played at the century 21 movie theater in springfield um and it had an intermission um wow yeah it was so dorky back then <laughs> not now not anymore but <laughs> <laughs> but now uh yeah you don't see 70 millimeter print just hanging out much yeah Right, I think Interstellar did it. I think Nolan did that with Interstellar, um, which I did not see on a big format screen back in the day, about nine years ago. But this was um, because there is an IMAX 70 millimeter print that is 11 miles long. Um, if you've seen six hundred pounds, six hundred pounds, and apparently there's no trailers before it because they can't fit it onto the. Oh, wow. <laughs> so- yeah, they
1: they had to. <laughs> basically make extensions for the platters to hold the film
0: they I, I think I read that yeah uh, so it's it's pretty it's pretty nuts. I mean the whole thing is kind of like and I mean it was nuts because there's only 30 screens playing it. The closest one to you and I is in Indianapolis. I was saying the other day I had made serious considerations about going to Indianapolis to see it And I'm like, man, it would have been good in that format, I bet. <laughs>
1: Yeah, would have been nice, but
0: um, yeah, it would have been nice. But I mean, I'm not <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty crazy. I don't know. I'm like that crazy, but um, maybe a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so it's gorgeously shot. It's gorgeously acted. It makes you think all this stuff. And you also asked me a question. I know I got to wrap this up a little bit because no one wants to hear me talk this long. But you asked a really interesting question I've been thinking about, too. Uh, about, I, th- I think
1: I know it because I was going to ask it again because I wanted a straighter answer than what you hemmed and hawed on Tuesday
0: night. Well, I night. gave you a straight answer, and you said that I, I had to put that aside. You asked if, you, <laughs> if you're an actor, if you're a good actor working right now, and you had to choose between doing a Scorsese movie and a Nolan movie, which one would you pick? And I my first answer was you got to do Scorsese because he's about to die soon.
1: Oh yeah, and then I said no. Just I mean, ignoring okay. that, knowing that. more of an all things being equal, all things situation. being
0: situation, and also the money's things- the
1: same, the commitment's the same, the scripts are of equally weighty quality.
0: Yeah, and I and I'm also thinking like Killer's of the Flower Moon comes out later this year, which looks tremendous. I've read that book. It looks like it's another great cast. And but yeah, maybe Nolan just maybe Nolan gives you a better maybe he gives you a better showcase as an actor. Mm, yeah, Like, you know, Scorsese is good with actors, but like he's the star. Right. I mean, I feel like even Nolan is like a name that people follow. But like those actors, every actor in that movie is given like something interesting to do. There's like actors who have won Oscars who have one scene in that movie in, in Oppenheimer. Should I mention them? I think it's like in the pre- but like it's kind of like some of them I think might be surprising to people. But there were two best actor winners <laughs> who basically have one scene in it. Was it Oldman? Well, there oh, there's Oldman. I didn't even think about Oldman. But there's Casey he- Affleck and Rami Malek. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot Old because Oldman. I mean, does Oldman have an Oscar? Yeah, he won for The Darkest Hour. That was not the best part of that movie, in my opinion. Oldman doesn't nail the Missouri accent necessarily very well as Truman.
1: Yeah. It was a bit of a scene chewer.
0: It was a little bit of a scene. And the thing is too, like that scene apparently really did happen. I've I've read about that where Truman basically said when when he left, because like Oppenheimer was in there, kind of like, Oh, woe is me. I can't believe I've done this. I'm responsible for this. And Truman's like, You're not responsible for this. I am. I'm the one that ordered that bomb to be dropped. I feel like there was a little bit of like sneeringness that, um, that Oldman brought to that, which I think Truman probably would just been like, no, just shut up. Like, you know, like, you know, like, just, I think it would have been more like more matter of a fact how Truman would have done it.
1: You you haven't studied them
0: more. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. I don't, and because he said, like, I don't ever want to see that crybaby in here again was in the movie, but in the book, it's the book, the quote that Truman apparently said was, I don't want to see that fucking sniveling weasel in this office ever again. (laughs) And that's apparently like what Truman said. I don't know why they changed it for the movie, but um, that's, that's very interesting to me. (laughs) Because Truman really was turned off by it. Um, But I think that Oldman kind of misread that. I don't know.
1: He was definitely there to make the most of his limited screen time.
0: He was. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of hoping for a little bit of Lee Harvey Oswald, like he was in JFK, mm-hmm. but it was a little more like Brom Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> As Harry Truman. <laughs>
1: he would have had a great hat.
0: He would have had a great, yeah. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, Casey Affleck, Rami Malek, um... You know, yeah, I mean like there's gosh, there was a lot of people in that movie. Like there was just, like everyone's like, oh, "Oh, there's that guy." Like I said that like on a lot of scenes like, "Oh, look, there's that guy."
1: <laughs> which does bring up the the primary criticism I've seen, which is like just old hat now. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's that guy and that guy and that guy and that guy and "Oh, look, one not white guy and that guy, mm-hmm. and, that guy and that guy and that guy and two ladies."
0: yeah I mean and like you know Nolan likes his dead wife stuff too doesn't he (laughs) boy howdy (laughs) I don't know if that's really a spoiler when he does it in every one of his movies (laughs) but 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 yes I mean but then again in the 1940s I'm not sure there was a lot of diversity in the administration of the yeah I I don't know
1: what he can do And, and well and there was that unnamed uh was she a chemical biologist or so? I, I, oh, don't yeah, I don't
0: even it. know who that actress was but there was like a, a a female character who was like they were trying to make her a secretary and she was like a chemist
1: yeah there was that there was that moment
0: there was that moment oh. yeah she was a lady she uh, was uh, yeah um yeah i mean i i get it i you know there's kind of a part of me it's like well you can you could probably do you know kind of casting that you know where you take liberty with with that where you like say well we're going to cast someone who doesn't look like that person or whatever or they're a different race I mean like I mean you see it happen I I don't know if it like takes you out of the movie a little bit if it would I don't know
1: it's a big choice to do the colorblind casting especially in a historical
0: yeah I you know there's a movie last summer called Mr. Malcolm's List which was set on the English countryside it was largely an African-American cast and it was well done. It was well told. And I was like, well, this is good, but I was never not aware that it was like, that was like there, it's kind of, it's, it was kind of like the novel approach, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like I never was not aware of that. Like it, it well, drew itself to that too, a little bit. Um, I don't know if anyone else has seen Mr. Malcolm's list other than me. I was the only person in the theater, so I don't know. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a, yeah, Nolan, I mean, you know, but then again, Nolan did Tenant, just his last movie and John David Washington was the lead in it. Mm. And that was easily a role that did not have to be defined by, by, by color or race or anything like that. It was just like, he was, I mean, he's literally, his name was the protagonist. He didn't have a name, Um, which I know a lot of people roll their eyes at a little bit. That's fair. Maybe they should.
1: I don't know. Well, that that can be uh looked at
0: as a pretty sticky issue. Yeah, you might uh, be able to think yeah. cute with that, right? Are <laughs> you yeah, no, it, I mean, in like yeah, I mean Emily Blunt, I actually thought Emily Blunt, like she plays um Kitty, uh Kitty Oppenheimer. I, I actually thought that was a because I was like, oh, she's like the wife, but like that was like not a very likable character.
1: <laughs> but complex. But complex. You start out and you think, oh, she's just going to be a, she's drinking and she's getting a little sloppy and we're just going to see her devolve into being a a sloppy drunk. And that's not the course that it takes. Not where
0: it goes. Not that she puts
1: the glass down either, but.
0: No, but she's got a great scene with uh, Benny Safdie at the very end of the movie, like at the White House. Yeah. Uh, Which I didn't mention, he's really good in this. Yes, he is. Yeah, you know, you think of him as like kind of the director guy, but he's he's a pretty decent actor.
1: The, the scene I remember uh, that that scene was great because the the gut punch that it contains. Yes, but her scene where she uh, they're they're in the rooms during the 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 closed session hearing, and uh, she's she's just like she is saying here's what they're doing this is the reality of the thing yeah. and, and everyone else is trying to find a way through it and she's like there is no way through this they're, they're, you're being railroaded yeah and and her assessment and, and laying out of the situation with with you know, a clarity that none of the rest of them have chosen to mm-hmm. grasp right is, uh, it's a great scene for her
0: or maybe they did but still um it, yeah she she was she was great. I mean she was yeah she was complicated. There's that scene where she finds him in the woods and that's a really good scene too. Oh yeah. yeah. Um uh yeah no she's she's I always know she's good but and every time I see her I I think oh yeah she's she's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah so it's like a, just this great cast and it's this is an interesting movie and uh yeah two thumbs up right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: it's. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, it is one of those movies that I think demands to be watched again. I need to watch it again. I'm making plans to see it again. Uh, but yeah, it's it's solid stuff. It it earns its three hours. I tell you, uh, I had to get up and go to the bathroom at some point, and I was like, "What are we like thirty minutes into this?" And it was like two hours into it. I was like. <laughs> I've just sat here and just yeah. been mesmerized by this movie. Yeah,
1: it's certainly did. now. I, I will say that um, those recliners down at Ronnie's Twenty, yeah, it may, may have helped with the, uh, the, the the not getting fidgety or you know checking the proverbial watch, but it it does just keep you engaged.
0: I'll tell you, they did a really good job of updating that theater, like like right before COVID, <laughs> 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 which probably was bad timing for them, but. Uh, yeah, it's nice. It's a nice theater for how big it is, because like, yeah. it's like it's the biggest multiplex in, in that city. Uh, it's the 20plex. And I think I, I would probably need to check my math on that. you know but better
1: than I. But I'll take I it yeah, I've it. been to a lot of
0: those theaters, uh, but it's still like, oh, it's still nice. It's like still like it's still like a relatively pleasant experience to go there compared to a lot of multiplexes. Yes. Like the two here in Columbia, which are honestly, I'd rather go watch a movie in a basement, someone's (laughs) house. But, (laughs) but, uh, Eric, this was fun. It was. I enjoyed myself. Yeah. But the the whole takeaway go see Oppenheimer.
1: Um, Uh, go see Oppenheimer. It, it don't, don't balk for a second at the runtime. Right. Um, And go see it on a big screen. Yeah. See the 70 millimeter print if you can, can. I, I, James, is there a, an easy way i mean i wouldn't have known what print size we were seeing if you hadn't told me i don't know how else i would have found out is there a way people can find out what size of print is running
0: well let me look i think they might say this i'm gonna go to the web i'm gonna like ronnie's Twenty. sometimes say what print it is now that's not to say every theater will do that Mm -hmm. they will usually let me see presented in 70 millimeter film nice so let's see here if you were to go and it's the and i bet that's because i told someone go see it in theater nine because that's the 70 millimeter projector Mm -hmm. and that like you go see that uh tonight which is not going to be you can see that at six o'clock and ten o'clock oh my god could you imagine going to the ten o'clock showing of that can you
1: imagine having to work the ten o'clock showing of that
0: (laughs) i know those poor bastards poor people that we have to (laughs) to put up with people like us yeah so i mean like i think some of the uh, larger chains will tell you um uh they'll they'll tell you like what's playing there um i i uh i know the i can tell you like even in springfield the alamo draft house will tell you like they have like they will tell you like what kind of print it's on okay um so i Yeah, yeah seek it out it out 70 millimeter printing print was good because the like the the shadows and the darkness like you that's where you can really tell like look just yeah um,
1: on oh, the 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 impact of the expanse of the desert in
0: those scenes it looked great it looked yeah. great it was just it was just great to watch oh my gosh i want to go see it again <laughs> just talking about it well thanks eric this was fun we'll have to like we'll have to like go do another press screening and do this again sounds good to me all right and thank you all for listening if you like what you heard subscribe to this on all major platforms uh leave a leave a review and share with your friends on social media on behalf of filmsnobs.com. this is james owen wishing you a pleasant evening and an even better tomorrow